Just right here in Winco in, uh, in Midwest City. What are you doing all the way in Midwest City? Well, I was over here for a meeting. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm holding forth. I'm ascending to the pulpit at the Free Methodist Church these days. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Way to go. Way, look, I, I bought them out. You bought them out of what, beer? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Every, everybody's bought out of beer around here. Because yeah. they were switching to six point from three point two, so it's a. Well, it's I, would, a I wouldn't know. Oh, I thought that's what you're talking about. I would know. I, I'm surrounded by lots of that stuff and uh, extended family stuff. Anyway, hey, uh, the, just a quick introduction, just so I think I can get this on some type of uh, on our podcast. But this is theology unplugged, and I've got Mike Lacona here and Clint Roberts here. Now, you guys know Clint because he's always with us, but Mike Lacona, uh, introduce him as uh, uh, the the guest extraordinaire, the, <laughs> the, the guy, if I was uh, to have uh, 100 people, I was stuck on an island with 100 people, he would probably make the list. A <laughs> hundred? Come on, man. Well, you know, you, you wouldn't make the list for sure. I, I did write it out. And, Lacona makes it most of the time. <laughs> We're trying to be in that top 100. It's, uh, it's kind of like, uh, of all the people I have ever known, he's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, hey, listen, I, I brought you guys here. I just said, hey, will you guys jump on Facebook with me? And I, I do appreciate it. But here's the deal, okay? Uh, we can talk about a lot of other things if y'all want. But I, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about this because I've been dealing with this lately. And I'm trying to figure out how to answer people that are online that we, we've been doing ads. Mike, I showed you a couple of our ads, but we've been doing some of these ads where we're advertising the credo courses and, um, and, and your uh, top 10 myths about the resurrection. And we put that up there. For instance, if you go to the top 10 myths about the resurrection, I put that up there. And though I... Um, put, you know, Christian category, theology category, apologetics category, those types of things, all I'm getting are very, very hostile atheists that, that are there. And so it's, it's really hard because I usually don't do anything. You know, I've kind of backed off on a lot of that stuff. And whenever somebody is, is a, a drive-by shooter, I just, I don't shoot back. I just back off. But on these ads, since they're so, I mean, we're getting, we're getting, you know, a hundred thousand views on these ads. Right. And the first thing they see is this first comment from someone that's an atheist. And, and then another comment, I can't really delete them enough for fast enough because they're all there and they're all atheists. And they're basically saying, they say, uh, how, how can you be so stupid in 2018 to still believe in such things? Right. And then they, they're gone. And so, you know, it's, it's trying to figure out, okay, how do I answer this guy? Do I, do I engage? And I decided this weekend to engage, Mike, listen to this. I decided this weekend to engage, and um, I, I, there, there's just long lists of arguments that I'm getting into. And some of it is really, really foolish. It's just you don't want to really talk about the issues. You just want to keep on saying the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, okay. How do I answer this guy? And I go to Proverbs. This is this is the fun part. I go to the proverb here where it says, Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly or you will be like him, right? I mean, there, if that was all that was said, we're done, right? I mean, maybe we do answer the fool, right? Do you think that this is saying don't answer the fool ever or not just according to his folly? I don't know. I I love Proverbs, but it, it's not something that I've really, I, I, of course, because those two verses are right back to back, the author is making some kind of a point there. And there is some irony or something that's going on. I just don't know what it is. Well, how do you? I, I don't know people like that. I, I do like you. I don't, when they come by and do drive-bys or they get just nasty, I don't give them, I don't give them a moment of my time. Never do. Nope, never do. What about you, Clint? 
I mean, when I have to, I do. What I mean by have to is if I know them well enough that I figure I'll have a more extended relationship with them in the future, uh, then I'll give it more time. Or if they're in one of my classes, and I have to in that case. But uh. short of that, no, there, there are too many of them. And they're just they're trolls, you know. That this is what they do. They don't have a lot of they don't have a lot else to do. They don't have a lot of time, and and of course, if they're not interested in, they're not really interested in what you have to say. This is a one-off. This is a this is a um, strike. This is a hit and run. Uh, they don't care. There's nothing in the world you could say. They may not even look back to see what you would say. I, I'm not sure. This is just the way it is in the internet. I'm not sure how many of them there there are, and so yeah, I don't, I don't see how you would be able to do it unless you select one. Or you have the sense that there's one, one or two of them that you feel like are, you know, somewhere in the ballpark of genuine um, and might actually care and listen. And, and, of course, be civil. Because if they're just going to drop bombs and, you know, pull out the flamethrower and be crude about it. And if they're just looking to offend people, then you can't have a civil discourse that way. So I don't, I don't know how much of your time you want to give to it. Well, I don't know. I've been kind of stressed about it just because the second verse where it says, uh, answer a fool according to his folly. You know, it said, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or at least you be like them. Then verse five says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. And does it, don't you see that? I mean, people just come in and making these strikes and whatever you don't answer them, they're kind of like, ha ha, you know, <laughs> right. I, I, I'm really smart. Right. Well, it, well, also, we live- um, it also, you know, Paul says to redeem our time, right? Yeah. We have a responsibility to redeem our time, and there's only so much that we can do. And, you know, Jesus also said in the Sermon on the Mount, um, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not cast your pearls before swine. And he's talking about unbelievers there. Um, The context there in chapter 7 of Matthew where he's saying, you know, don't rebuke. He's talking about how to rebuke people, how, you know, don't judge people. You're not supposed to have this overly judgmental kind of uh, attitude or, or way that you approach people. And he ta- then he talks about, okay, here, but here is how you judge believers and you make sure you're holy first and that you don't have the speck, uh, the log in your eye before you talk to a brother about it. But then he goes on about judging non-believers and telling them they're wrong and, and um, don't give what is holy to dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Yeah. And stuff like that where you can see that actually at play. So, but don't you think, think that's the first proverb? I mean, the verse five, uh, I mean, that's not verse six. I think the, the answer, don't answer a fool according to his folly, probably means in the same kind of manner. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't. I don't know. I, I haven't studied the proverbs in depth. So I'd like to read some commentaries on that. To, to yeah. See. yeah, yeah, I'm not worried whether you studied it right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I just want to know what you do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean because I haven't studied, I'm, I, I can't offer a, an authoritative or weighty kind of opinion <laughs> on what those mean. But um, yeah, I don't engage with with those guys. I mean, they're just 32 year olds still living in their parents' basement. Uh, and, and, <laughs> well, just, that was that was engagement. Crawling <laughs> you know, on your on your site and YouTube channel, um, you know, between working part time shifts at Starbucks making lattes. <laughs> Come on, keep on keep on going. Don't hold back on what they are. Let's write this down so that you can cut and paste it and answer them according to their folly every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't engage. If, if you go to either of my uh, debates, recent debate, like in um, March with or February with Bart Ehrman, or the one I had last year with Matt Dillahunty, I mean, they've got a lot of views. The one with Bart Ehrman, I think, is it's probably, I, I don't know, it might even be 100,000 views right now. And the one with Matt Dillahunty might be up around 170,000 views. Golly. Um, and, but you look at the comments, there's well over a thousand comments on each of those. And probably 99.9% of them are these trolls, these skeptics, and they're just really nasty. Yeah. Um, I never respond to them. Um, never respond to them. Don't you think it's, I mean, to me, here, here's what gets me angry about it all. I mean, it's, it's like, I, I would rather 
Where'd he go? I would rather, we lost one of the guys. I would rather uh, engage this, uh, ironically, if I have to. And I would rather uh, try to do the uh, gentleness and respect deal, you know, and, and and go about it all that way, the, the kind, gentle, understanding, um, I'm going to represent you well in everything. But here's the frustrating thing, and I guess this is it, maybe it's the ethos of our culture, maybe it's the, the it, it's something that's going on today. But whenever people do that, whenever you see that happen, it's almost like you you always lose yeah. in these contexts because their 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 memes are so cool and persuasive, even though they make no sense logically, when, even though they don't really work in the argument. But whenever those things get spread, that's where I get frustrated because, you know, you get something that it says um, it has a trash can and a guy dropping a cross in it. And it says um, imaginary friends go here. And then it just goes wild across the Internet. And you're like, how, how do I stop this? Because it's so dumb, yeah. but, it, but it's so effective. And it's kind of like, okay, how do we answer this fool? <laughs> you know, and, and it's effective, but what? I think it's effective in emotionally stabilizing people, emotionally stabilizing people in their in their stupidity. Yeah, I mean, all all it is 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 bullying and ganging up, right? Yeah, That's but is it? It's, it's bullying, ganging up, and bullying is is all it is on their part. They're but, they're cyber thugs. You create that and you send it out and it gets spread. And then all of a sudden this fool is wise in his own eyes and everybody else is too. Whenever they share it, you know, this I'm wise in my own eyes because this has gone out and it's foolish and it's folly. Yeah. And it's like, how, how do you respond to that? Or is it our responsibility? Do we back off and we say, you know what? God's going to take care of it. And, uh, you know, there will be people out there that, that do get influenced by this, but God is in control and it is not my responsibility, even in the context of your, the, the promotion of my ad to respond to somebody if they come in there and do a drive-by or they come post that meme in my, in my, uh, comments, um, it's not my responsibility. Is it my responsibility? I don't, I don't you know, Michael. I, I don't know. I guess that's up to your conscience. But I, I, for me, I don't feel it's my responsibility to, to take my time and and respond to these people when all I know is they're just going to come out and and gang up and bully, and they're not really open minded anyway. So um, I have a responsibility to do the best things with my time and resources to make good use of it, to redeem it. Now but you do, you do answer fools according to their folly in your debate. Why don't you say that that's true? Yeah. In, in my debates, I would do that. I will come out and I'll, you know, I, I prepare a lot for my debates and, and go out there. I take them very seriously. Um, so yeah, I'll do it at that point. So I'll just, but I choose who I do it with and I do it strategically for time and and influence and reach i think those are 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 all important things to take into consideration yeah well i th you know i guess i guess intentionality rather than rather than just kind of a quick response is is so important i, I remember whenever i was uh in sixth grade there was this bully his name was terry and he always messed with me i don't know why he messed with me i mean at my school there was always fights we got in fights all the time you know and uh, every everybody kind of fought, and everybody know, knew how tough everybody else was. But this kind of little guy always messed with me, and I don't know why. But he comes up to me one day, and I, I was kind of sick of it. But he comes up to me, and he and he jumps at me like he's going to do something. Well, I automatically respond, just punch him right in the mouth, and he started oh. bleeding and fell back, and you know he started crying and <laughs> you know and all that. And I, I said I was sorry, you know I felt bad because it was just this natural fast reaction. Later on in the locker room, him and his buddies all came up. They had, say, like six buddies, and why'd you punch him? I said, well, he jumped at me. And, you know, the it, it's kind of like, okay, is this is this saying, don't punch back, don't, don't, don't do the natural response, but do an intentional response. Even whenever you do answer a fool, according to his folly, it's intentional, like you just said. I mean, it's not as if these people 
in these debates that you have are always open-minded or always have some really good arguments. I mean, they will, are willing to stick around. They're not drive-by guys. So right. there's a lot to be said about that, but you are answering them according to their folly. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Michael. And, and you're right. I, I don't think that most of the people I debate are open-minded um, or that they're going to change their minds as a result of the debate. Now, most of the people I debate, I like, and I'm friends with with most of them. Um, they'd be very welcome to stay in my home. Um, you know, I like hanging out with them, just about everyone I've debated. Yeah. Um, I don't expect to change them, but I do debate because I want, want people who, I want people to be able to see both views. And now, I, don't, I don't mean to get too much into your into the back end of what you're doing and your intentions because maybe it's something that's more private thing. But whenever you say you let them stay in your homes, is that um, something you do because you, you said you like them? Is this yeah. something that's part of the intentionality behind it all? I mean, I know you're doing everything intentionally, but uh, uh, do you like them because you want them to be in your house and you want them you want to disarm them? Hmm. I mean, I'm just, I enjoy, I, I respect just about all of those, just about all of those I've debated. I, I respect them. Um, and we get along fine. I, I can, like, for example, Bart Ehrman, he and I have some really strong disagreements, but he'd be very welcome to stay in my home. And we'd kick back. We'd, we'd uh, have a glass of wine together and watch the, the, the game on, on TV. And we'd yeah. have a good time talking. Um, I mean, that, that's just the kind of relationship we have. We're, we're respectful toward one another, and we can have decent adult conversations, you know? Yeah. Um, but with these trolls online, you, you just can't. They're just immature. Yeah. It's like, it's like you, can't, you have these relationships with people, and I know that maybe you wouldn't say, well, I'm doing it because I want to disarm them, and that's my only purpose, and then you know my end goal is this and this. You're, you're just kind of doing what you do naturally with people. But um, it, 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 it is disarming either way. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, like whenever somebody, you know, you're, you're battling somebody, and then they're really nice to you. you you're like, well, I don't understand this. I don't get it. In this context, we're battling, and then all of a sudden, you're nice to me, and you want to hang out, and you're just like, you know, you, you give me a high five or, or whatever else, and you're like, okay, this guy is is more serious. It's not an emotional thing. He doesn't he doesn't uh, have anything necessarily against me, but it, it's disarming to me because I feel like he has more confidence than somebody else who in any other context, you know, you're battling here, you're arguing about God. And then they see you out at, at the convenience store and they're mad at you still, you know, they yeah. still won't talk to you. Uh, you know, you're like, okay, this guy's kind of, it, it's all tied up in his emotions. And that's the only way he has to express himself in this context. And he's, he's angry because, because you want to agree with them. And, and it's hurtful whenever you don't agree with people in this context, whenever they're, they're not real confident because it scares them. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you've talked to, to me, we've talked a lot about both of our uh, mutual times of doubt and uh, difficulties we've gone through the faith. And one of the things that, that does, uh, whenever I, I back up and look at it, that scared me and that can scare me, is whenever there's so many people out there that are smart people that don't agree with me, it makes me angry. It makes uh, you, uh, huh? It makes you angry. It makes me angry. It makes me scared. Okay. And remember when I text, I texted you yesterday and I said, I'm so glad there are people out there like you and like Dan Wallace and like uh, Ed Komoshevsky and Rob Bowman. And I think about that. I do think about that in my mind whenever I have, a, whenever I go through any type of struggle in my faith, I think they are out there, you know, and they believe. And I, I used to feel guilty from that. I used to think, I'm, I'm hijacking their belief. You know, I'm, I'm tailgating them. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm using them and it's not my belief. It's theirs, but more and more I've, I've seen community and the necessity of community and the importance of community. And I look at Paul whenever he says he's going to Rome for the first time. And he says, he says, I can't wait to get there because I am going to be encouraged and my faith is going to be lifted up by your faith. 
mm. and your faith will be lifted up by mine. And so whenever you do get around, <clears throat> around other believers and you have that fellowship, it does strengthen your faith, you know? Yeah, it's true. And, and honestly, I, I, I say this not to repay the compliment, Michael. I mean, I guess I am repaying the compliment, but you strengthen my faith too. Your life has been a great testimony. I mean, you're a very godly man. And I just love the way your authenticity, your vulnerability, it's something I've always, always admired about you. And you're extremely articulate. Um, you, have, you have a way of articulating things that I envy, uh, that I, I wish I could emulate as well. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that type of referred faith, it, it's really nice to have. But whenever you don't have it, I think, I think all you really have to go to is your emotions, you know? And so whenever somebody can't talk you into it, like whenever I can't talk somebody into it, I, I usually, I don't get that upset anymore, you know? Um, I don't expect to really, I expect maybe to put a pebble in their shoe at yeah. the most. But um, I, I don't expect them to really change their view. And I, it doesn't really disturb me that much, you know? Um, I think sometimes whenever you have these, the fools out there, the fool person is, he throws out the folly and the folly is kind of just, it, it's, it's vain. It's worthless. It's empty. And somewhere in the back of your mind, you know, it's empty, you know, yeah. you know, I mean, Michael, it's, it's I, 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 I'm where we probably differ on some things. I, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm open uh, I'm open to it, but I, I'm not a Calvinist. But nevertheless, I understand that salvation uh, involves God, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and but I, and I understand it is not my responsibility to save that person. Um, all I can do is I can present the message, and I do have the responsibility to present the message in a loving, um, a loving manner, and yeah. that is my responsibility to do it that way. So if I feel like I'm doing that, um, at least I'm planting the seed. And my brother-in-law, uh, a godly man who lives in Nebraska, he's a, uh, a pastor of a small church, um, just started pastoring a few years ago. Uh, but what a great guy. And he almost years ago, over 30 years ago, he almost committed suicide because he was so depressed over how his life had fallen apart. He was... Um, and I, I believe he was an alcoholic at the time. He was, uh, but I might be wrong on that, but he, he had some vices. He had just gotten divorced. He and, and his wife had remarried, ran off with another guy. Um, and he was about ready to commit suicide. And then he watched Billy Graham and had a really, got saved, had a really neat transformation in his life. Um, he started, he had, he's always had the zeal for evangelism. So he started telling all the people in his family, all his aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and all this, sharing the gospel with them. And, and they'd basically just say, well, that's really good. Glad that works for you. Yeah. They kind of blew him off. But he just, uh, he just kind of went on and he just lived a loving Christian life and evangelized other people and didn't bug the people in his family, but just loved them and lived a consistent life. And later on, Several of his aunts, uncles, those uh, and friends, they were on their deathbed. And when it was only family members allowed, they called my brother-in-law in and they'd say, hey, you, you shared the gospel with me in the past and I kind of blew you off, but I really need to know how to get to heaven now. It was my brother-in-law, not even the pastor of their church that they called in, but it was him. Mm. So a person may blow us off now. But it doesn't mean we haven't planted a seed that later on, when timing circumstances is diff are different, that they become more receptive. They may come back to us or they may see another believer, like maybe someone I talked to. All of a sudden now they're, you know, out there in Oklahoma. You're in Oklahoma still, right? Yeah. Okay. They come out to Oklahoma, they bump into you and go, whoa, you know, and they talk to you and it's just, they're ready. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know it's it's the um, it, it's those type of people that that the thing that will disturb me and disturb my faith as I said before you know you're talking the positive here I go back to disturbing my faith <laughs> but wow. uh, well the thing that will disturb my faith is whenever you do have reasonable people out there that are atheists you know yeah. 
and and they don't turn like who, who's that guy out of um i think he's at a he's at some uh college in uh, ruse michael ruse oh at florida state university yeah yeah that's right and he's he's just a good guy. I like the guy. You yeah. know, I like him a whole lot. He's just he seems very reasonable. He seems very balanced. He doesn't he comes right out and he admits things. Like I remember what in his debate with Bill Dembski back in must have been two thousand five around that time where he said uh, that um, atheism is a metaphysical commitment and an act of faith. I heard uh, him. Say huh. Wow. Yeah, yeah, atheism or Darwinism, I forgot which one it was, but he said, or naturalism, I, one of those. It's a metaphysical commitment and an act of faith. And he said that in a debate, and I admired him for saying that. He's not really a favorite among, um, oh, there's there's Clint again. I don't know if Clint re recognizes that uh, I'm putting him back in, but uh, he's driving. Hey, Clint, are you, are you there? I'm right here, man. Where Where have you been? I'm sorry, it, you were invisible. I just saw something down here that said you were there, and it was invisible, so I couldn't add you. No, it was my fault. You been listening? No, I couldn't. I, my phone died inside there. <laughs> oh, that's what happened. But, huh? but the real shocker is I, I, I turned this back on, and I see that you didn't run Michael off of there yet. You didn't. He hasn't, he hasn't become disgusted with you enough yet to just – Call, call it quits on this whole thing? He's still there? He loves me. He loves me. I he will do. never leave me. I do. Well, he's, got, okay. he's, got, he's got both agape and filet for me. <laughs> By the way, let's, can we leave it at those? <laughs> <Hardly>. <laughs> but <laughs> listen, uh, Michael. maybe at most. Here, that's the reasonable guy. But here's, here's the comforting thing. And see if you agree with me. I don't know of very many people like him that are on the other side. You know what I mean? You mean that are, are honest, which, admit yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That are balanced, honest, that I feel like, yeah, they're going about it the right way. They're just going in a, they, they just choose different paths. But, but that's true, Michael. But I think we'd, we'd, we'd all admit that the same is true of our side. Um, yeah, I, I would to some degree, but I would say maybe it's just me and maybe it's because I do what I do and my profession is what it is, but I know you, I know Dan, I know Ed, I know all these guys and I'm like, those guys are balanced right, and right. I know that they pursue truth before anything else. And I know Keener is that way. I mean, we could name a bunch of them. Keener is that way. Um, uh, Blumberg. Huh? Yeah, Blumberg, William Lane Craig. I mean, Bill is just doing something really cool that requires some guts right now. He's studying about the historical atom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's coming out with some admissions and some things like one of his most recent podcasts where he says hey, he's hard-pressed to find uh, a commentator of Genesis, even evangelical one, who will say that they take some of these things in Genesis literally. Mm -hmm. So... um um, I mean, that's, that's pretty gutsy for him to, to say that. And I know Bill, I mean, he's a, a dear friend of mine and he's very open-minded to these things and he's going to go where the evidence points. And that's going to, it's going to turn off a, a number of evangelicals. Uh, and, and he realizes that, but he's going after truth. Yeah. Yeah. So there are, there are a number, like you said, and all those you mentioned, you're right. And, and maybe we can't, you know, um, you know, you know, one atheist I've, I've come to uh, respect over the years is Jeffrey Lauder, the guy that uh, started uh, infidels.org. I think he's huh. one of those kind of people like a Michael Roos, an honest, you know, an honest guy who's willing to look at things, admit some things if, if he thinks that uh, I think he'd be honest with some things. Uh yeah, well, you got the friendly atheist out there too. I forget what his name is, but I don't think he's that friendly. I think he's he's a little bit more polemic than uh, than friendly. But um, he just debated. I think Sean McDowell. Oh, okay. Sean McDowell's a good guy too. Oh. I mean, there, there's just a whole lot of them out there, um, and it comforts me to know that. And I think I think that's some of the reasons why I can choose between these two. 
of being intentional, answering a cool fool according to his folly or not. But that's that's yeah, <laughs> to, to do a little advertisement. I mean, you know what we're doing over at Credo Courses and everything. That's what I want. I mean, in the end, I just want everybody else to know about you guys. You know, I want I want to spread the knowledge and make it impossible for people to say all Christians are just ignorant. They have no arguments. They, they just believe what they believe because it's uh, always been believed and they've uh, never really pursued the truth. And uh, you know, I, I think it's out there and that I, I, the whole reason I did this is not because, Hey, I think that this is a good idea and it's a lack. It's because for me personally, I mean, I, I can go to my own site, my own credocourse.com and begin to look through it all and just be settled, you know, because here I am like Paul, let us encourage each other by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And uh, being able to now, I think, uh, engage other, other people in, in these circumstances without just being purely emotional. And I, I appreciate the example you set with that. You do a great job with it, brother. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. It's you know, it, it requires rewriting. It requires a lot of rewriting for me. Um, whatever it is, whenever I'm engaging somebody, I will do drafts. I, I mean, literally, I go through about three or four drafts of my conversation, and I take out this word and I change it because my first response is according to their own folly, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I have to wait. And if I'm going to engage and I want to, I do, because I think, I think some of these people, you know, it, it, the, I, they don't, they don't need to be wise in their own eyes, but at the same time, it will be the pebble in their shoe. There is somebody out there that knows what they're talking about. And, and I didn't think there was, or at least there's somebody out there that's willing to engage honestly. And I don't think most of these guys do know there are people out there. You know what I mean? You're talking about the, the skeptics. They, skeptics, the troll, yeah. The trolls out there, they don't know that there's some people. Yeah. Well, I guess they're just not looking in the right places. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, maybe they know, maybe that's what they think, Michael. Maybe they just don't really seek, and that's why. But there's so much out there. I mean, just videos out there of debates, of stuff that... There's so many good resources out there on the web right now that they really could find out some good stuff that they were looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'd have a context to work. They'll, they'll watch that cheesy video. What's it called? Uh, Zeitgeist. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I've seen parts of it. I mean, it's like, I think it had a budget of $2. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty sad in terms of the quality and, and, you know, people watch get impacted by it, but it's all based on garbage stuff that's just false. Is well, it as good? Is it as good a quality as Clint is right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's dark and mysterious. No, I he hey he's he's giving it a compliment almost. It's not it's two dollar quality, and the arguments are two dollar arguments as well. Yeah. Terrible. It's it's the worst. But I think that's part of the problem. We you know we're we're sort of the gatekeepers. I mean, so, some of us, you know, like Michael Lycona, you are, are, are sort of like, you know, more out there and, and harm's way maybe, but a whole lot of Christian leaders who aren't as much maybe in the, in the train of heavy fire, uh, really though have to, I mean, you could call us popular. We're, we're trying to be popularizers of the quality apologetics and, and mind related stuff and worldview stuff for Christian people, because I, I get them all the time. They don't know you exist. They don't know that the writings, that the blogs, that the podcasts exist. They, they, they just haven't, I don't like you. Maybe you're right. Um, Michael, like, hold up. I'm, I got two Michaels here. So, uh, maybe, maybe Mike. I, I go by Mike anyway. So okay, yeah, I good. go by Michael. Maybe, maybe when, uh, maybe you're probably, there's gotta be some truth to what you're saying that pe people are busy and harried and maybe a little lazy and not doing the work to, to find it. But some of them, they seem to me, I don't know, they seem to me when I, when they start to get a taste, they seem really interested and they're happy to have found it. And I think, how's it been 20 years that you, you say tw for 20 years you've been confused and now you found it? And I think part of it is just 
like you say, stuff like the zeitgeist, and that's just one of a thousand things because it's such a heavy flow of traffic. People are inundated with information, and the most popular stuff that gets passed around to them is a bunch of hooey. And then if they're looking for Christian resources, some of them can't get past the popular stuff. So honestly, I'm not joking when I say that, I, that I, I've known people who, when they, when they go into their small library to try to get armed up, because somebody at work or, you know, whatever it is, they reach down and you know what they pull up? Some of them pull up, you know, a T.D. Jakes book or something. I mean, I'm just saying, yeah. you know what I mean? That's just, that's all they got. That's what they purchased. That's what they, they think. This is Christian. This is a minister. Help me. You know, they, they don't know. Uh, they don't know what's out there. So I'm saying a lot of us, I think that's part of our calling is to, and I think that's why, I think that's why Michael um, is, you know, has been doing the credo courses and the great hope is that we're bridging a gap here between the people who enter the Christian academic circles and they know, they know all this. Yeah. But then there are a lot of people that are, that are nowhere near those circles, but maybe something like those courses, you know, and, and podcasts and everything else will lead them into it. Even if at first they find your arguments, you know, if, if they watch your video and you debate somebody, you know, at very first they might say that was complicated. I couldn't follow that. That's okay, right? At first, and you and you're not trying to talk over their heads for sure, but this the nature of the subject requires you know a certain attention span and and so on. So, but over time, I always try to encourage them. Just you know, get, keep with it. And I've seen sometimes I think Michael has too. Somebody will go from I don't know fifth grade to college when it comes to these things, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of what we're all going for. I think we're glad to have the resources. Uh, to be able to keep feeding people good steak, you know? Yeah. yeah no, I think I lost Mike. No, no, I'm Mike. here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Mike has I left the him. building. You can hear him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can huh. You can't hear me, Mike? Weird. Uh, you guys in the audience, do you hear Mike? Lacona? Do you see him and hear him? Yeah, can you hear me? I'm speaking hey, now. Buddy. Hello. I can Club. hear you, Mike. I can hear you, Mike. Uh, but but Michael is having some trouble here. Yeah. Yeah. Let me uh, pull him out and then push him in. Three, two, one, and Mike. Yeah. I'm, and you, show. Can you huh. hear me now? That is very odd. Michael Lacona, I cannot see you. I oh. don't know why. Um, the well, audience I'm, can uh, and. So can uh, so can Clint. Yep. Uh, maybe you can relay some of the things that he says, but uh, and, and we're just about done. But I do want to I do want to ask him this, and I'm not even going to be able to hear it. I was getting excited about asking him, um, but I, I, maybe I'll ask you this next time we talk. I want to talk some some things about your debates and uh, kind of be uh, straightforward and ask you some uh, uh, harder questions. Yeah, yeah. If you would. Get out and come back. That would be great. It'd just take a okay. second. So, Clint, where where are you headed? Home? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna try to get home. If if I crash, it, it'll be your fault, of course. Well, just don't look at the screen. My ever. blood shall be upon your hands. <laughs> I'll take it. You know, it'll it's it's in the Lord's hands. Blood guilt, my friend. What do you what do you what are you slurping on there? Oh, just my big old diet, Dr. Pepper. Are a bunch of people listening to us talk like nitwits right here? Yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's all live. Oh, that's just fantastic. Well, I can... whoever, whosoever they are, uh, you know, how you doing? I wish we could see other people. I can. I, I'll tell you who's here. Jonathan Perez is here. Dan, Brian Daniel. Jimmy Smith is here. Um, you got Mikhail... Kosenko, Kosenko. All right, there you go. I see you. Adding you to the broadcast, and then making you. Uh, yeah, everybody can, or at least I can see you. Can I you can hear see me? you. Can you hear me though? Yeah, yes, I can hear you. All right. Yeah, hey, I couldn't, I I couldn't see you earlier. About what Clint said a moment ago. I mean, this just—it's a good illustration of how each member of the body of Christ is, is valuable for what they do. Um, you know, I, 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 none of us can, can reach everyone. 
And, you know, I realized that I'm going to just reach a certain kind of person. And sometimes I'm doing some, you know, research like I'm doing now on the Gospels have been. I've done stuff on the resurrection. But it's the popularizers that are going to take that stuff and reach people that I will never, ever reach. Yeah. And they will probably reach more people than I will reach. So we have and they'll reach different people. So we all serve a part in in the body of Christ. I, and nobody's better than the other. We just do different things, and everybody's important. It's pretty cool how it all works. I'm slightly better than you. Oh, you're definitely a, you're more than slightly better, man. <laughs> okay, hey, listen, let me ask you one question, though. I, I, this may be related, may not be related, but um, I've, I've always wondered this, and I always ask you things about this because I am fascinated. Uh, you know, I, I've never done a formal debate of any kind whatsoever. You know, I've been asked to do one one time. A Roman Catholic wanted to debate me, and I'm like, you know, that's not really worth it. I don't want to debate you. I don't, I don't, I don't care to win a big Roman Catholic debate uh, and, and show that I'm a Protestant. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying if I'm going to debate somebody, it's going to be over something else. But um, you get it, and I uh, the best I've got is some <laughs> good arguments that I've gotten into with people through text. But whenever you're getting ready for a debate, and you do it uh, quite often now, um, I'm just I'm trying to get inside your head. What what is what are you thinking like right beforehand? Are you is there fear? And and if there's any fear, what is that source of that fear? Oh, good question. Well, um. I guess it depends who I'm debating and you know, now I don't get nearly, I've had 29 public debates now and I don't get nearly as nervous as I did the first couple I did. Yeah. Somebody uh, said in the comments that all your debates are available on iTunes. Looks like we lost Clint. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, there's a guy named Mikhail who has uh, converted them to MP3s and put them up there. So uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's he, that's who's talking in the comments. Oh, good. Yeah, he's yeah, a great he's, guy. I got to meet him about a month ago, maybe a little longer than a month ago. He's a great guy. So, And he's got a really nice website. I'd encourage everybody to go there and check it out. It's got all my debates. I think he's got all of David Woods, all of uh, Mary Jo Sharps. So, what's, his, uh, what's his website? I, I don't know. I've been there. I just don't uh, I don't remember it. So maybe he'll Mikhail, Mikhail, post your website so I can uh, write it down. I don't know what this does. It just says, write on-screen updates. So I'll bet... Uh, I bet it shows something. <laughs> in, answer, in answer to your question, though, Michael, um, right before a debate now, I think it's, uh, I, I feel, of course, I feel some fear. Um, I feel some fear every time I get up to speak, uh, whether it's in a church or before a college group. Every, you know, if you're not feeling any kind of intimidation or fear, it's, it's time not to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But that also creates some excitement. Um, but as soon, usually as soon as I start talking, like when I get up to do an opening statement in a debate, I will be kind of nervous right before I get up. But as soon as I start talking, it's like game on game time. And it's just awesome. It's, it's just a really cool feeling. So is that, isn't that what it's like about with every time you speak though? Right. I mean, like right whenever you get going, no matter how much fear you had before or what you were thinking before you lose yourself immediately, it's just gone. You're just yeah. like in, in a different mode. And it's like, I'm not saying, Oh, the Holy spirit has come and take over. And now you're filled with the spirit. And that's what it's like. I'm not really sure to the degree that you get filled, but I think that that has to have something to do with all the stuff you've done, all the stuff you've prepared. And then finally you're up there and it's exciting. It's you know, exciting. it's very exciting to do a debate. Especially so you get a big one. When, when I'm doing a big name, like a Bart Ehrman or someone like that, or Shubir Ali who on the Muslim side. Yeah. That's just exciting. That's You're fair. debating Muslims now? Well, no, I did back in, uh, what was it, 2004. I debated Shabir, and I had one, I think, two years ago, two or three years ago. I had one up at the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga, and that was that was fun. They're both on, the, on my YouTube channel. 2004? I thought your first debate was like 2008 or 2000. I thought I saw your first debate. No, the first debate was 2003 with Dan Barker at the really? University of Wisconsin. And that was fun, you know. I was I was nervous up until the time, but then as soon as the tell me about your nerves. I want to. I, I wanna, I'm fascinated by it. But tell me about your nerves that day. That day, um, I don't quite remember it that day. I do remember. 
I mean, I don't remember exactly how, I just knew I was nervous until I started speaking. What I do remember uh, very much was the second debate that I had, and that was with Shabir Ali. And that was in my hometown. I lived in Virginia Beach at the time. It was at Regent University. It was in this gorgeous auditorium that was packed. People came down from Buffalo, New York to see it. Um, I mean, people came from all around. It Who put it together? Huh? Who put it together? Regent University. Uh, well, so your, your second debate, Regent University put together? Yeah. Um, Man, you just, you just ascended fast, didn't you? <laughs> I knew that you must uh, have wasted. You must have wasted Dan Barker. Oh man, that was well. This <laughs> organization, the atheist organization that invited him to be my opponent, they said that he lost. <laughs> That's great. That was my That's first. Great. My first debate, and I think it was his thirty-ninth. Wow. So, and that gave me the bug because I just bet. didn't know how it was going to turn out. You know, I saw Bill Craig debate, not saw it, but I heard him debate Zindler and Cross. And I thought, oh, I just would love to do that, but I'll never be able to. That's what I, you know, really. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and then I had this opportunity, uh, a couple, you know, that one. And then uh, next year I had one with Shabir Ali. But I can tell you that that afternoon before I debated Shabir Ali, man, my chest hurt. Uh, My chest hurt. I was very nervous, man. I had now I had for three months, I had prepared no less than 70 hours a week for three months for that. Oh day. Gosh. <laughs> um, and I'm, but I was just getting started. So, I mean, I was developing my own argument as well as learning how to, to, yeah, yeah. but boy, my, my chest hurt and I was really nervous and I can remember being backstage and Gary Habermas um, was he came up from Lynchburg to see me, and he brought uh, one of his. That, brand- that just makes it worse, doesn't it? Doesn't that make oh, it worse? No, no, that that really kind of helps just to know he was there for support. Okay. All right. But the fact that a number of my uh, supporters, donors for our yeah. ministry, were there, and this was my hometown, that made it more difficult. You know, yeah, it made it more nervous. And I remember just being backstage with Gary beforehand and we prayed and um and it was uh yeah the nerves were definitely there but now before this last the last the last debate you know was one with ermin and another was with larry shapiro an atheist philosopher at the university of wisconsin in madison we get along just great we're friends and we're just backstage talking and just kind of just relaxing right before the debate it was like it was nothing it was just fun do you prepare? I mean, you obviously probably don't prepare the same amount of hours, right? No, no. Now I'd say I had three debates uh, the, so far this year. Um, I have one coming up in uh, Sweden in November and a few panel discussions. Who invited uh, you to Sweden? That is just that's just, just unfair. In Denmark uh, for like uh, nearly two weeks in November, you know, doing panel discussions and debates and uh, lectures. It's, it'd be fun. Some churches over there put this together. So it's, it's pretty So what do they do? What do they do? You just got a phone call from somebody in Sweden and said, Hey, you want to come debate? <laughs> well, an email. Yeah. And that's pretty much how are, it happened. Are, are, are you big enough to have an agent now who, who does all your debates? No, I'm, I'm not big enough to have an agent. But um, you, want me to, you want me to be your agent and then I can go to Sweden with you? <laughs> you bet. Come on. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, that is that is really cool. I uh, I I don't I've imagined it a lot. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like I guess you probably uh, 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 people like me. You know, I mean, people like you. You've already been in them, so you don't imagine you you can you can think about what it, you did in the debate, how you did, and stuff like that. But I always have in my mind's eye what a debate will look like. I dream about debating, and I never ever can get the argument out. You know, it's one of those things. You know, uh, my my two re- reoccurring dreams are preaching, and I forget my notes, or debating, and I forget the argument, and I'm oh. just like I'm lost. <laughs> my, I have dreams like when I'm prepared for a debate, I'll have a dream where, you know, the the person, the, the event's about to start, the moderator gets up, starts to welcome everybody. I'm sitting a couple rows back 
And not only have I not prepared for the debate, I've still got to go home and dress and get dressed for it. <laughs> so you know, you maybe I'll buy shorts and a t-shirt or something. And man, I got to go get a, put a sport jacket on and some jeans or something, you know? That's funny. That's I'll funny. Still have them. Well, so what did you, did you, before you had your first debate, did you, how, were you prepared? Did you have little debates? Were you in debate class and in school? Did you? Because obviously you like it and you think it's effective, and I I, I I like it too, and I think it's effective. But I want to know the process beforehand. Well, I do think you would do really well in it, Michael. I'd encourage you to 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 do it. Um, I just got fear that went all over me right when you said that. I just got really scared. Literally, I felt this something not warmth. It was it was satanic that just went through <laughs> me. I, I did not take a debate course. Uh, I never imagined myself being able to do that stuff. I just know that I wanted to, but I never thought I'd be able to, to be honest with you. Um, It's just, you know, Bill Craig, he had two earned doctorates. Um, When I first heard that, I hadn't even completed my master's degree. And I'm thinking, I'll never be able to do this. But just for fun of it, I I did a mock debate once with a friend of mine. And um, it's like, well, that was kind of cool. And then, was, he a, uh, was he a friend that was actually an unbeliever, or did he just act like one? Um, no, he was an unbeliever. Okay. And we did it in front of some church staff where I went to church. Huh. So we argued about God's existence, and we did. That was during- nice of him. Did you set that up? Yeah. Yeah. You did. So you we asked him to do a mock debate. It was probably five people who were in there, you know. And then <laughs> the second one was um, I ran into a person who. Uh, introduced me to a pastor of an Iglesia Ni Cristo a church, a, a Filipino Christian cult, much like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. And yeah. um, so I, uh, we had a, something set up in his home. I had two friends who came to see me, and that, but the house was packed with probably 20, 30 of, of his folks. And um, we debated on, is, is Jesus God? Did Jesus think he was God? And... Um, and I thought I just crushed him in that, and I felt really, really good about it. Um, you know, not I, I felt really, really good. Like this was a fun debate. I think I did well in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I just I learned from watching Bill Craig debate. You know, yeah, have, you, have you ever have you ever done a debate where you at the end of it you said I lost? What's that? Have you ever done a debate where at the end of it you said I lost? And you know, you thought to yourself, I lost that debate. No. Um, Anything close? I'd say the closest was uh, probably one I did with Greg Cavan out in Temecula, California. I think it was 2012, 2011, something like that. And that had about a thousand people who came to see it at at the church. Was watched. um, I, I thought the debate went pretty well, but I was really at the end of the debate, I wasn't satisfied because. Just some of the the arguments he gave were just I thought kind of annoying, um, and it's like I thought they were just really weak. And then you know it was just like, well, you just don't understand. Well, no, I understand. I just think it's a weak argument, you know. And I I got a little bit miffed in the yeah. course of the debate, and uh, it's the only time that's happened in a debate for me. But I got a little bit miffed, and um, at the end I thought, man. Um, no, I'm not pleased at all with that. So I asked a couple of the people afterward. Um, I said, I want you guys to be honest with me. I mean, uh, this is how I'm feeling about it. I'm not sure who won this debate. So, oh, no, you definitely won. And there was an agnostic there. And he said, oh, no, uh, Dr. Lacona, you definitely won. And then there was a woman who wrote me. And she said her son was there. She's a Christian, but her son, who's college age, is an atheist and he thought that i won i didn't convince him but he thought i won the debate yeah um, but i was very displeased with that debate uh, very displeased with it so that that's probably the one that um that i thought at the end that i may not have won it there have been you, some, does your some, ministry hmm. does your ministry ever uh set up and sponsor the debates no so you've never like pursued one yourself. You they you, they just contact you. Oh no no. Um, um, my first debate with Bart Ehrman, I I wanted that one, and um, 
someone came to me and said, hey, uh, let's let's do a debate. And I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. I said, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to do it on the resurrection. I'd like to do it on the question, can historians prove Jesus rose? And uh, because that was my dissertation topic. Yeah. Was, uh, almost complete at the time. And I said, I don't want to debate Bart Ehrman. So they set it up. And then some, a lot of times the venue who contact that contacts me and asks if I'd be willing to debate, they will ask for names. Not all the time. A lot of times they will already have someone in mind. Yeah. So they'll ask, well, who would you like to debate? And, you know, I'll mention a couple of names. Um, and just about everybody I've wanted to debate, I've, I've debated at this point. So um, you're done. There's nobody out there that you wanted to debate that you haven't debated. Um, I'd have to think about that. I mean, I have, I've, I've got a list of some folks. Um, I, none of their names come. I mean, it, it, these are all folks that would be like second tier in terms of desire, not second tier in terms of their knowledge or skill, but yeah. second tier in terms of their, uh, prominence. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, um, yeah, whenever I think about trading, <laughs> what, what, I mean, you, you know, you've probably seen some of the stuff. I mean, I, I feel like I'm proficient in a lot of stuff, right? Question. Uh, but whenever I, whenever I think about debating on any single topic right then, I think I am so underqualified. What would you want to debate on? I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, it's like, I love the stuff you do and I love the resurrection. I center on that. I mean, my focus is always on that. I think through anytime I'm debating anybody online, it's usually okay. 90% of the time I'm focused on the resurrection. I mean, the other 10% of the time I may say, you know, we need to, we need to deal with your worldview because it's not going to allow for these miracles. Right. And so why, why is your worldview so, so stringently this direction? But most of the time, I guess it's the classic versus evidential. Sometimes I go classic and sometimes I go evidential. But okay. I, I, I would say if I was to debate anybody and you were to push me, <laughs> I don't know. I, the only thing I feel like I'm, I'm really qualified at at a different level or maybe a slightly more level than my master's degree is stuff in uh, in prolegomena, and it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, I deal with a lot of things about what is belief and what is doubt, and you know, just kind of kind of pulling that stuff together. And there'd be nobody to debate in that area because it's it's so it's so uh, specified. Yeah. Now, if you were to push me and say, "I'm pushing you to debate, Michael. I want you to get in a debate, and you got to start going there right now." And there's not very many topics. You know, you got you got intramural debates i don't want to do any of those you know uh, but but i do take it back i have had a debate before it was in college i was the student council president of the college and they had me get up against another guy and it, it, of all things we were debating arminianism versus calvinism awesome. and they made me be the arminian and so you know i studied 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 got up there and debated this guy and i wasted him <laughs> i wasted a calvinist <laughs> and i was so proud at the end i was like it was it was kind of funny because you're just you just feel like okay i did well and i was able to pull out the weaknesses and he was not able to give answers for the weaknesses that's the only debate i had but i would not want to debate that i don't you know calvinism arminianism whatever but I would say probably resurrection would be the well, focus. Then why don't uh, you've already got a case for the resurrection in the way that you like to present it? Okay, yeah. so I'd say grab a hold of Dan Barker's book, Losing Faith in Faith. Yeah, I got it. And um, watch any videos of his debates online yeah. uh, at resurrection. And then see if they'll have a debate, uh, Campus Crusade up at uh, University of Wisconsin in Madison. See if they will uh, will uh, sponsor debate and have you up there. He'd be a great first opponent. I thought he was a great first opponent for me. He's a skilled debater, but his knowledge isn't, you know, extremely deep in these things. But he's so, he's uh, really good ones. I mean, he'd be a great first one. Then I'd say go with Michael Shermer. Michael Shermer is a, you know, a respected scholar, you know, he's an atheist. Uh, what is he? General editor of skeptic magazine. I don't consider him one of the tough by any means, one of the toughest guys out there, 
uh, Shermer is like one of those guys that, uh, you know, in boxing, they're a contender, but they'll never be a heavyweight champ. Yeah. You got to go through that person to get to the championship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they're a respectable opponent. And so he could be like a, a, a second. You go through Barker and then you go to Shermer next. Um, yeah, yeah all, all I am is scared to death right now, and I want to end this broadcast and go to bed and watch something on TV. Yeah, watch Netflix, get my mind off it because you just it's, it, it it scares me because I'm scared. I'm scared. Of, here's what I'm scared of. I'm scared. I'm not scared that they're going to present anything new to me. You know, I mean, I don't. I don't think there's anything new that's out there that's going to really be a game changer or even like be, you know, blindside me or something like that. And I guess whenever I think about it, you know, I, there would be a very unique way of me going about it. Um, because I'm different, you know, the different, I'm different in the way that I uh, approach people and approach things. And sometimes I, uh, sometimes that's my distinguishing mark, not so much my, knowledge my way of articulating things or my way of of um uh being able to answer the arguments it's just the approach that i might take would be different that's what scares me because if i was following somebody else like you or like william lane craig and just kind of say okay do exactly what they do with your own knowledge you know what i mean that'd be one thing but the thing that scares me is whenever i approach things i approach them differently you know what i mean yeah. But well, you did say about, you did say you do it in your own unique way, right? Yeah, I mean I do it differently than than Gary and and Gary and I do it differently than than Bill does. So you, you find your own way, you find something that is like like the way I differed from Bill and Gary is not only just the technicalities of the arguments, but uh, an approach. Like they like to throw out a bunch of data and say, All right, look. You know, we can give you a hundred evidences here. Yeah, yeah. hundred evidences for the resurrection, and and you just not as a debate tactic, but it's like, you know, all these different things. Whereas, I'm thinking, you know what, a a a, a person could walk away from that and saying, well, wow, that's quite impressive, but they won't remember a bit of it. Yeah, I would rather present just three facts that people are going to say, hey, I can remember that. Yeah. It was they said this and this, and that was a very simple case. He said, yeah. in fact. His case was built on just two building blocks, facts and method. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what he stuck with. I mean, that's easy to follow. I'd, I'd rather do something that's easy to follow and just communicate clearly and in a memorable way uh, that they take something away with them that they can remember. I'm not saying that's better than what Bill and Gary do. It's just different. But that's and I wasn't trying to be different. Um, in fact, it's like I was thinking, well, you know, there's no finer debater out there, I think, than Bill Craig. And it's like, yeah. well, why would I try to reinvent the wheel? But I, I got thinking, you know, the, the best that I can be is the kind of person that I am and not trying to mimic someone else. Um, and so that's it's why. It's the I, same way whenever you're preaching or whenever you're teaching, right? Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to do something that was that I felt really comfortable with. How old could, were you? How old were you whenever you had your first debate? It was 2003, uh, so it would have been right before my um, 42nd, right before my my 42nd birthday. I was, I was 41, almost 42. Huh. Well, you waited a while. Yeah, I didn't even get into my PhD program until right before I was 42. Yeah, yeah. So that was well, a lot bloomer for sure. Well, do you have a? Uh, I know that. Uh, we're both probably pressed for a little bit of time here and we've been doing it for a long time. So this is fun. This has been fun. It's yeah. been a blast. This has been really fun. I know we're going to talk tomorrow about some other things that we might be able to do, but I think that this is cool. You know, just doing the, uh, doing the talk about nothing thing. And it turns <laughs> out something. Hey, uh, and the audience, um, I know that it's dwindled a little bit, but uh, any questions for Mike or, or me? Um, so, so would you, I get this, let's say I read his book and I said, okay, I, I want to debate him. Do I just call over? Do I call him? Do I email him? No, I I'd say, uh, you know, you're, you're connected. I'm sure to some campus ministries. 
um, or some churches. Um, see if any of them be willing to host a debate there and, and say, here's what I'd like to do. And, um, and then you recommend Dan Barker as, a, as, a, as a, an opponent. So the church sponsors it? A church can sponsor it. Probably better if a campus ministry sponsors it. That way it's on campus. And you, um, some people don't like to do them in churches because, um, and I'm not sure what I think about it. Um, I've done some in churches and I found them, you know, beneficial. But in some other churches, some of the people just don't understand. Um, Have you ever done one in a hostile environment? The most hot, the, the closest thing to a hostile environment I had was uh, out at the uh, Sacramento State University. I think it was two years ago. It might have been three years. I think it was two years ago. Uh, uh, Matthew McCormick. And he wasn't hostile, um, but I could tell that there was uh, some hostility in a number of the, um, I mean, it didn't get nasty, but I could tell that a number of the audience members, uh, they didn't think too much of me, you know. <laughs> did, did, was, it, was it like in a atheist auditorium society type thing that they yeah. brought in all their people? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was... This is probably the lowest attended debate I've I've ever been at. I don't know yeah. if it's because they just had it at a bad time of the day, but yeah, most of the people who attended were were atheists, hmm. and um, yeah, I could tell by the way that they just asked their questions and kind of they were kind of combative. Yeah, um, and I don't mind if a person disagrees. I mean, if you watch the debate that Ehrman and I had earlier this year on the historical reliability of the Gospels. You know, I had some pushback from a number of skeptics in the audience, but they were all respectful, and I was respectful toward them. And but the Sacramento State University was uh, was was a different thing. But uh, other than that, it really hasn't gotten nasty. Well, that's cool. I'm glad you were able to uh, share that with me because it's it's unique information that you know, you know you just don't get this stuff anywhere else. I I got all kinds of questions that I could ask you or anybody else, and it's it's just fun. I like to pick into your life. No man, you know? I love talking to you, bro. You have so much to offer, and I man, when the way the way I saw that for years, you served your mom and how you you know things were with your mom and dad, and how you've struggled with wrestled with so many different things and your authenticity is just um so commendable and you're such oh, a valuable valuable warrior tool for the kingdom i'm just proud to know you friend no i appreciate that uh carrie if you're still here emphasize that last part in the podcast you might <laughs> you might you might put it as a commercial or something <laughs> um no no it's it's a lot of fun and you're you're one of those guys i mean that's all i can say you're one of those guys yeah, to okay. me so well, thank all the people you've ever known i'm one of them yep that's right you're one of them <laughs> all right well uh we'll talk tomorrow right all right brother God all bless right. you. To the audience, thank you for coming. To the audience that has listened to this on the uh, Theology Unplugged feed, uh, sorry, it has been so long since we've had anything, but this was a great comeback. I mean, boom, this was this was the Mike, when did Mike Tyson come back and when? He didn't, did he? Okay, this was not a Mike Tyson comeback. This was a, what's that big guy's name that came back and beat everybody up? Was the champion. He held his hands like this. What have we fought? Yeah, there you go, George Foreman. This, this was the George Foreman, and uh, we thank you for coming. Uh-oh. He just gone. Boom. See you later. Hey, uh, I'll see you guys later. It's good to have you. Thank you for coming. This was, a, this was fun. And where's in broadcast? There it is. In.